This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift. Explore, train and compete on the indoor cycling app where fun is fast. Closer. That's a bit of Welsh for you. Tom, it's nearly Christmas. Bloody love Christmas. But, yeah, again, not quite normal. But are you feeling festive? I'm always feeling festive, gee. I love Christmas. I've got sometimes I have this slightly hipster idea that Boxing Day or Christmas Eve are better than Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> On the basis that Christmas, Christmas Eve, you've still got all the fun of Christmas Day to come. And then Boxing Day, there's more stuff going on in the world, isn't there? Like there's all the sport, South Wales is always the local derbies, there's big football matches. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. It's not quite as pressurised. Definitely know what you mean. I still prefer Christmas Day, but the whole build-up in it, the, the run-up to it is, just thinking back when you're a kid, it's just, oh, it's great, isn't it? When you're having like, you know, your advent calendar, you're getting down to like 15 and you're like, wow, we're out, we're out of school soon. And I've still got an advent calendar, by the way. Do you have one? Yeah, the kids, the kids have got... The advent calendars seem to have gone up in the world. Like, when I was a kid, you had the really boring ones, which was just a picture, and then the chocolate ones came in, where basically you would... If you were me and my sisters, you would cheat by opening future days and then just pushing the little cardboard door back and try and match up the little perforations so that your mum didn't <laughs> tell that you'd scoff the chocolates um, <laughs> ahead of time. I never used to do that with my advent calendar, though. Oh, I, I always have the day it is. Because then I'm just disappointed when I don't have a chocolate the next day. Weren't you disappointed, though? <laughs> yeah, I was. But what we're seeing here is the difference between the discipline of an elite professional sports person and someone who eats what they want when they want to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. But but Christmas Day, oh, when you're a kid and you're just looking and suddenly your stocking's gone and you're like, oh, he's been. He's been. <laughs> your dad goes downstairs. Yeah, yeah, he's been. He's gone. Running down. I think with Max as well, next few years, that's going to be great. Oh, it, it really but, um, it brings it all back. It's amazing once your kids get into Christmas. Um, what was the best Christmas present that you ever received from Father Christmas? Poor. Uh, I just, bikes are always good, aren't they? You always get excited about a bike. Yeah. Um, Hard to wrap for the parents. Yeah, but when they're small and you can just wrap it up and it's obvious what it is, but it's just so exciting, isn't it? Just ripping into yeah. it. Yeah. Like now... Christmas days are like they're still great you know you just have that so this year we're having loads well not loads of people we're having a few people over in the morning uh, my mum and dad Sars mum and dad bit of like an open house type thing um, you're welcome to come might be a bit of a trek for you but it's a bit of a trek yeah but if I set off at I don't know four in the morning <laughs> but uh, having a few cocktails you know I'm on the cocktails half ten and then we're off to Sars auntie's end which will be weird because I've either had Christmas Day at obviously my mum and dad's, her mum and dad's, or in our house. So it'll be the first time, you know, out of that comfort zone, so to speak, you know, over her aunties. But I think I'll be pretty drunk by the time I get there anyway. So it should be interesting. <laughs> but it'll be a madhouse. There's quite a few of us there, a lot of, lot of young kids. So it's going to be That's great. That's good. So if I'm standing at the island in your kitchen and I've got a Father Christmas hat on, you've got your cocktail shakers and all the, the mixers. What, what's the first beverage you're offering me? Well, I think this year I'm going to do a, a Moscow Mule because they're pretty... I love them and they're so easy to make. Can't go wrong, really, can you? And then some mulled cider. Going to get some mulled cider on the go. Probably do that the night before, be all prepared, you know. Then just a few beers and Prosecco in the fridge, innit? That's all you need. 
to all your needs. Tell you what, G, I'm going to give you a quickfire Christmas uh, section of this podcast. Um, some yes or no's, please. Exercise on Christmas Day, yes or no? No. Yes for me, one nil four dice. Bread sauce on Christmas <laughs> dinner? Yes. Disgusting. Bread sauce. Who wants sauce made out of bread? Yorkshire puddings, yes or no? I don't know why Lou's put that. Who has, who has Yorkshire puddings for Christmas lunch? Oh, I think we do, all the time. Bang it all on, mate. There's no discrimination on Christmas Day. <laughs> it's a very good job that I'm not spending Christmas with you because we'd have a terrible time. You sound like a right Scrooge. <laughs> Turkey or a different meat? Uh, both. Turkey and beef. Okay. Fish for me. Definitely not coming. Christmas pudding or a trifle? <laughs> um, Christmas pudding. With white sauce as well, not custard. Hang on, what's white sauce? Uh... I don't know. It's just white, and it's a sauce you put on your custard, on your. Not like a, not like a, be- a bechamel. Not like a sort of. Oh no, no, no! It's not cheesy. Come on, behave. It's like, <laughs> it's like a custard, but I don't know. Posh custard. It's not yellow. It's white. It's white custard. I don't know. It's just good. <laughs> it's Christmas thing, isn't it? Okay, uh, Christmas dinner. Are we talking early afternoon or late afternoon slash early evening? Uh, I'd say more in the towards the midday than the evening. Yeah, otherwise you're too hungry, aren't you? Yeah, you need something to soak up all the cocktails, mate. Yeah, definitely. Presents, uh, first thing in the morning on awakening, or somehow, don't know how anyone does this, somehow held off until later in the day. Yeah, who does that? Who Who does that? No chance. Oh. producer does that. Well, first thing, innit? First thing, definitely. But speaking to all the, you know, different teams here, different teammates, cultures, all that, they have all their presents in the evening of Christmas Eve. No, yeah, very continental, that. Yeah, very that's continental. Bonkers, that is. Can't get my head around it, but yeah. Have you sorted SARS present? That's my next question. Uh, Kind of. I think so. I've got some. I haven't really got a main present, but yeah. Ooh. It's all about Max these days, anyway, isn't it? Yeah, she says that. And then, you know, if she goes downstairs Christmas morning, there's nothing under the tree. Story might change. Yeah, true, true. Might just get a candle or something. <laughs> Smelly candle. Candles are good, aren't the, they? The classic fallback. An overpriced smelly candle. <laughs> Just to calm her down. <laughs> uh, right, that is enough Christmas chat for now. Let's get on with the show. Let's do it. Where are we, Lionel? We're in the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club, Richard. Very sorry to gate crash. Well, hang on a minute. I don't think you're allowed to say the word crash in this podcast. They've banned it. Well, you know what I mean. But why are we here, Lionel? Well, we're here to tell all the listeners and the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club members about the Cycling Podcast, which is hosted by us, three journalists. That's you, me, and television Daniel Freeb, plus our extended team of people, including Orla Shenoui, Lizzie Banks, and others. We cover professional cycling with a weekly show. We've also got a tech show and a monthly show devoted to women's cycling during the three grand tours we are on the ground doing a nightly podcast full of analysis insight the occasional bit of humor lots of stuff about where we are and what the food's like and also interviews with riders including if he will speak to us Geraint Thomas well hang on are you referring to the time that you insulted Geraint here Richard don't be fanciful Lionel well you said in the podcast during the 2018 Tour de France that he would not win the Tour anyway anyway if you'd like to give the cycling podcast a go search for the cycling podcast in your favourite podcast app Tom good news the sponsors are back for season two that is Momentous, G. And Momentous just so happens to be the sponsors of this next bit. But who are they? <laughs> well, for all you listeners that were listening last season, you'll remember them as Amp Human. 
Aha, yeah, a leading human performance company that works with over 150 pro and elite sporting teams. And once again, we've got an exclusive discount for you. Gee, what's the lowdown? Well, I use uh, PR lotion all the time. You basically rub it directly in your muscles. You get bicarb directly into them and, you know, allows me to maximize training sessions and improves recovery time. Yeah, if you try it, the clinical data says you'll get 53% less muscle soreness and be able to do 25% more training intervals. I like those odds, G. So if you fancy slapping it all over your legs before your next big ride or workout, go to livemomentous.com. So that first bit, all one word, L-I-V-E, then M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S. Com. And because you listen to this podcast, we've got you an exclusive discount. Just use the code GTCC2021 at the checkout for 25% off Momentus's PR Lotion. Happy training! Right, I just got my intro. Professional. <laughs> so this is the podcast without Luke. Yeah, this is the professional one, yeah. the good one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you need to deliver a great intro now. Yeah, Having right. described it as the more professional one. <laughs> well, 50% more professional. <laughs> That's you. Right. <laughs> Tom, I've finally done it. I've gone and got what you've been asking for for the last 25 episodes. And we've finally got your wish and going to talk a bit about cyclocross. But also... We've got a guest on that can actually do it all. Cyclocross, mountain biking, track, road, probably BMX, Speedway. We'll ask him, but <laughs> can you guess who we've got for you? Did he win a gold medal in Tokyo? Yes, he sure did. Oh, I know it is. Welcome to the GTCC, Tom Peacock. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. How are you doing, all right? I'm all right, yeah. Yeah, a bit tired. <laughs> on camp, a bit busy, isn't it? Yeah, we're on camp at the minute. Actually, we've got two Toms now. Do you know what? Though? I thought about this in advance, right? You've got Tom Fast and you've got Tom Slow and everyone knows which one we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Tom. I was thinking more Tom Fat and Tom Skinny or Tom Old. Yeah, I mean, any of these would do. I mean, I'd rather Slow is slightly less exciting than Fat, maybe, but <laughs> go, go with what works. No, because I think <laughs> you gave me a lot of abuse when George came on, wasn't it, with the Gs? So That's true. Talented Tom and untalented Tom. Yeah, keep going. It's actually <laughs> character assassination. That's Pro Tom, this amateur week. Tom. That's nice. Let's go with that. Okay, cool. So anyway... Uh, Catch you that one. <laughs> have you done any BMXing or like the, uh, no uh, Speedway, anything like that? I did BMXing when I was younger. I used to go to skate park. Oh, yeah? To school, yeah. Yeah, I used to do a bit of uh, yeah rollerblading, like the wheels, like in, the inline ones, you know? So not the tricks and stuff, but I just went fast. Could you, G, could you go, do you set out those little baby cones and do the backwards in and outs? Yeah, although I wasn't very good. I saw people doing that in Hyde Park when I went to London. I thought, this place, London is just a different world. <laughs> people riding horses, people, people doing roller skating to music. It was odd. <laughs> it doesn't happen in Leeds, does it? No. No, it doesn't, no. Or anywhere else in the UK, I don't think. <laughs> well, getting on to cyclocross first, I was chatting to Big Ben so in the team, Tom, we've got uh, amateur Tom. Yeah, we've had the the Tom, the Toms in the Bens discussion, haven't we? Yes, yeah, so we've got loads of Bens in this team now. So we've got Big Ben, Little Ben, and Old Ben. So Big Ben, used well, was in the same team as Tom, cyclocross team, well, I'm road team. And he was telling me about 
the Christmases he's been away from home and it's like the last seven Christmases he's been in Belgium and one of them he was there on his own in a random, well I don't know if it was a random house, he must have known you know where he was but he was in a random place in Belgium on the iPhone FaceTime with his family they're opening presents all happy and he's just sat there in Belgium waiting to race the next day it's just bonkers and I was thinking like is that being the same for you like no I think I've done two or three Christmases in Belgium mm. last year I did it but last year I, I was in a house with Ben and his girlfriend because my family couldn't come over for Christmas because they because all the restrictions happened yeah how was that it was alright actually I bet it's, yeah maybe for the once but to do it like seven years in a row must be yeah, mental yeah I think certainly when I was younger I wouldn't have wanted to do it now I'm I'm not actually that bothered really yeah Christmas when you're at home and all the family and it's nice but when you family day after day just want to kind of stop chatting and <laughs> race your bike <laughs> yeah go to Belgium <laughs> yeah so I was thinking like I love going to watch like the rugby down Cardiff like on Boxing Day or you know watch some football on TV but I was like I, I couldn't imagine doing it like actually racing or something like at least they're at home like Christmas Day like you'd probably know old Tom like they're at home for Christmas Day then they probably go to the hotel at night do they and then they play football the next day is that how it works? Yeah, football? footballers football, footballers go on Christmas Day at the hotel. They usually have Christmas morning at home. Yeah, if they are playing at home, and then but they leave before lunch and they're in the hotel. Yeah, so at least you're home for a bit. But like, imagine just being in Belgium, like, that's yeah. Mad. The re- the reason why I do it now is because if I go home for Christmas, I come back and I'm crap. Yeah, I can so, see that. Yeah. So I I have to kind of commit and stay, otherwise. There's not much point doing the races after Christmas either. Yeah. Because you got... When are the Worlds? How long are they after? End of January this year. Normally, okay. end of January, start Feb. Did you see the Worlds last year, G? The ones where... The, the the course that you ride along the beach and there were several points where the riders were actually riding through the shallows. I did see bits of it, actually. Yeah, I saw highlights. It's something I want to go to. Like, maybe not on Boxing Day because that would mean having to travel like <laughs> to Belgium, Boxing Day morning or... But definitely over that period... Oh, it just looks like a great event to go and watch. Get on the beers and just, you know, watch Tom. And yeah, chips with mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. Me, take, me hacking around in the mud. Yeah, take my Grenadier flag or <laughs> British flag, whatever you want to take. And just, uh, yeah, that's a good day out. That and like the darts, they're on my bucket list, I think. The darts? What's 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 going on with the darts? And Ali Pali, is it Ali Pali? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's like always a great atmosphere there, isn't there? They all dress up and just get drunk. And... Honestly, I don't have a clue what, what you're talking about. about du, 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 du. You know that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> but gee, we should talk about cycling. Yeah, sorry. Never mind, it is sorry. a cycling podcast. Um, Pro Tom, as we're going to call you, usually we split riders into categories on this show. We know we might have a track rider on or a road rider or mountain bike rider. But it doesn't really feel like it works anymore in cycling. I mean, it doesn't really work with you because you do a bit of everything. But you seem to be part of this new generation where you're not really for categories. You like it all. Yeah. Actually, I, before coming on here, I thought I'd get asked that. So I I kind of thought of an answer. And I think because, like, if I did a whole winter and I wasn't racing, like, I don't think I can focus so far ahead. I think I kind of need things to to focus on to to build towards and yeah i just like having things all the time that i can kind of 
yeah, get my teeth into really. I think that's that's the biggest thing. I mean, yeah, sometimes I envy road riders and the the ease of the whole winter and yeah, building up slowly, just doing long miles. But um, yeah, I, I also kind of like what I do as well. Yeah, I think track cycling was similar when I did it. You know, it was a winter sport, and I, I totally get that what Tom's saying because it is nice to because even though you're still racing your bike and you're still riding hard it's, it's a different discipline it's like it's a change and it just feels different it doesn't feel like you're doing the same thing so that's that change is just keeps you going but saying that when I did leave the track and I had a nice winter break like October off and then just cruising November, December getting in the miles well cruising but you know still doing 25-30 hours a week but you know a lot less stress it, I did enjoy that side of things as well yeah, it's full on. Like like road racing these days as well, as we all know, everyone's talking about it. It's just quicker, more intense, you know, across the board. Whole teams are training better, you know, the whole peloton's fitter. So road racing's harder as well. And then to just, whew, if I was like training, doing the efforts I've seen Tom doing this week, I'd be like, that's that's full on. But um, or you see videos on Instagram of Van Art and that. Do you put videos on Instagram like that? No, not really. Yeah. I, I recently haven't really been bothered posting on social media. I just can't be asked anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. all for show, those Belgians, aren't they? Hey, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Old Tom. <laughs> I won't say that, actually. We might get him on the pod, so... He's all right, though. He's a good bloke. Who's your favourite out of the two? Van Aert and Van der Poel. Who's my favourite? Um, or would you get on with the most? Eh? Yeah, I, 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 get, I, said, I would say I'd get on with them. I think they're both, both all right, to be fair. Hmm. I think they both don't like losing. Yeah. But, yeah, they're pretty pretty sound, both of them, really. Have they changed? As, as you've got older and you're starting to threaten their position, have they? has their attitude towards you changed at all? Are they still pretty friendly? Yeah, I would say still pretty pretty friendly. i say they, like, last year and maybe the year before, I started to notice that they, they do have respect for me. Like, if I attack, they don't just let me go. Like, they see me as kind of a threat and that's kind of, but that's a nice thing, really, as annoying as it can be. But yeah. You know, with cyclocross and like BMX, so from my point of view, it always seems like a lot more chilled, like the actual atmosphere around it. Cause you know, like you see MotoGP riders compared to F1, MotoGP are just like, ah, you know, all chilled and they just, well, not all of them, but the vibe is a lot different to say the track and roads compared to those disciplines. Is that still the same now? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I'd say road is like, it's the, peak really in it like the most money the most pressure the biggest kind of audience and then crosses it's more kind of localized almost like you know mainly belgium holland same fan base more engaged fan base probably but it's yeah i would say it's not as uh yeah like mountain bike mountain bike is even more relaxed than cross i would say because cross is the winter and I think you have to be a bit switched on, otherwise you're going to get ill and you can easily become pretty, well, tired, messed up from all the, from the racing because it's an hour, but it, it is pretty intense. Hmm. Big Tom. Uh, little, am I, am I Big Tom? Oh, yeah, I know. Amateur Tom. Tom. Uh, young Tom has actually got Dave B's, well, we call it Palace, but his big uh, camper van for this cross season. You must be looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. It's Well, we had it last weekend already. You've got to stick it up. It's, yeah, pretty nice, actually. Is that not a bit of pressure, though? Like, you've got you've got the bosses... Basically, you've got the, the head teacher's car 
I'd be terrified about scratching it or yeah, doing something unspeakable with the toilet. I'm a little bit worried about getting muddy, to be honest. But uh, that's Charlie's job to clean inside. He's, we, no, we, we, it's pretty clean, actually. Honestly, last weekend, didn't get any dirtier and I think it's pretty spotless now. So, But it, it's a step up from last year, that's for, that's for sure. And I think there we've outdone uh, Wout and Matthew. That's what I was going to say. That's that's rolling up into the car park and that compared to what they'll have will be a big like, ah, oh, here we go, boys. Have a bit of that. <laughs> I like to think that Dave's uh, camper van would have monogrammed uh, sheets as well. It's a little DB etched on the cushions, on the soft furnishings. Well, they are uh, beige or white. Not quite sure the, the exact colour, but it's not the perfect colour for cyclocross let's put it that way the interior <laughs> like a he's set, making it look sound like a Bond villain's uh, palace it's not obviously no so uh, young Tom pro Tom fast Tom when you were a kid because you do all the different disciplines was there one that you fell in love with first good question I think honestly I think road has been my favourite all along really mountain bike I've always done I did a lot of it when I was younger. Uh, we always went on holiday to Morzine as a family for two weeks before the, nas- the last national series of the year. So you've got the big downhill trails in Morzine, haven't you? And some yeah. fantastic long cross-country ones as well. Yeah, exactly. So it was it's a great place to go out and ride your bike. Um, cross um, only came in later. Actually, Ben, Big Ben, <laughs> introduced me and said I should go down and do cross. I came on a mountain bike and then beat him. He told me that today, actually. Yeah. He told me that story, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, he doesn't like you. Yeah, he, he, he introduced me to Cross and now... <laughs> yeah. He thinks he should be getting a percentage of your winnings. Yeah, but he's here now, so... <laughs> Swings around with that, isn't it? Do you think that riding those different disciplines has helped you on the road? Because it's a little bit of a cliche about Cross, but I think there's probably a lot of truth to it, that... The way you have to ride in cross just supersizes your skills for the road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like like you say, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, people say, yeah, it makes makes us better on the road. Me, Matthew, well. But then there are other cross riders who I don't think they'll be annoyed me saying that they're not very good on the road. So I think it does for sure in, in some ways. And in other ways, if you don't, do the work for the road then you wouldn't be good on the road either so yeah i think i think it depends on well who you are how much you train really a standout race you'd say definitely helpful forward would be strada you know for obvious reasons it's on gravel roads a lot of it and where were you last year were you you're in that front group with yeah, van Aert and van der poel fifth i think did van der poel win yeah yeah He's that ridiculous acceleration up the final hill, didn't he? Into into Siena. Yeah, yeah. I'll hopefully race that next year alongside Tom. Oh, yeah, yeah. So watch his space. Who's pulling for who? I'll help him out. I don't mind. Yeah, that's a nice touch. Yeah, that's the kind of guy I am, mate. I was a nine. <laughs> I was a three nine in our uh, character thingy me bob that we had today. I'll tell you all about think, it another time. But think yeah, thingy me bob. I don't know how to explain it. I've tried to explain to my girlfriend what it's called. I don't. I, I can't explain what it is. It basically asked answered with, with numbers forty fifty odd questions, and it basically tells you what you like, and it basically nailed everyone in the team spot on. So yeah, no dickhead wow. policy. That's what it's checking for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Who yeah. is it? So you could have got thrown out if you got the wrong number. Yeah, contract no no more tomorrow for some people. 
Um, talking about Crossy, um, of course, you are not without cross experience. One of your finest moments as a junior, when you just changed clubs, was in a cross race, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might bring it up. I went. Ac- I basically forgot it's kind of on grass and mud, you know. So I went across the line. I, I won, obviously, and I was pulling up my jersey like this, start freewheeling, obviously stopped within three metres and fell off the bike, across the line. Still won, still across the line. But yeah, it was, wasn't was very um, Cipollini-esque or, you know, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a good finish, but there we go. Win's a win. Nice. Win's a win, exactly, yeah. Tom, you might have seen this as well. There's a, a famous clip of Brad Wiggins um, in his early days, Who's he with? Is it when he's, when he's at um, FDJ? No credit FDJ. Yeah, and Tom, you might have seen it, and he's being forced to do oh, some cross yeah. training. Yeah, thoughts on his technique as he hits the deck. I mean, he stays down a long time, <laughs> I, doesn't he? I did wonder for a while if it was actually him. Like, I I I seen his video, and people say, "Oh, it, it, that's Bradley Wiggins." So I was like, "What? Why, why is he riding in the background of this guy in an interview and just crush?" But, <laughs> Uh, well, he's obviously he needs to a bit of work on his on his technique. I think. What made that though was the guy getting interviewed. Who was it? Was it a <laughs> team like Mark Maddio or someone? I think it was, and he's just dismissive about Brad, isn't he? He doesn't even bother helping him. He just glances back briefly, yeah. sees him, and just shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> just like looked <laughs> over his on. shoulder, like yeah, Putin or something. Like. <laughs> uh. So let's talk mountain biking briefly, um, fast Tom. Did you find it strange, right? Because I always think there's quite a big stylistic difference between road and mountain biking. And maybe this is a cliche. Maybe you're one of the people who's changing it. But I think of mountain biking as having quite a lot in common with surfing. It's got that more alternative feel to it. It's baggy shorts. It's baggy tops. And it's just a different sort of ethos to road cycling in some ways, isn't it? That's... I have never thought or compared it to surfing, to be honest. But now you've put the baggy shorts and that... Yeah, maybe, yeah, a little bit, but it's, honestly, for me, mountain biking is the easiest bike for me to jump on and become fast quickly. The hardest bike is the time trial bike. I think that requires the most work, but I think that's probably normal Mm. for most people. Yeah, but for me, it's the the easiest bike for me to to jump on, I think. Actually, I rode the National Mountain Bike Champs once, old Tom. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't finish. I like started at the back because they all, you know, grid them, don't they? And moved up a few places, but then soon enough, smashed into some rock or something, punctured, and just like, yeah, just walked back to the tent and just, you know, lived the life that they do there. I had, had a barbecue and a few beers, and everyone was taking the piss mm. out of me, like, because I was like a roadie, and, you know, as you say, the lycra and the, you know, oh, you follow each other, just looking at each other's asses, you know, all that type of bants. But uh, it's good though. It's a good crack down there. But um, well, I'm definitely going to stick to the road. I end up just crashing every time I get on a mountain bike. When, just was, the, when was the last time you went on a mountain bike? A few years ago now. But it's just so different though. Like because the last time I rode a mountain bike was like sporadically, but like when I was ten, you know. <laughs> every couple of years, it's just like I just feel so weird. And I got one bike robbed. Got nicked out of my garage in Manchester. So I just thought that's a sign. Just don't bother. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to ride them differently, Tom? There's different techniques for you when you're switching from mountain bike to to road bike in terms of braking, leaning in corners, that sort of stuff. Um, uh, 
honestly, I don't even know how to answer that question. I mean, I guess on a mountain bike, it's off-road, isn't it? And you have to, yeah, be careful. You can't brake as hard as on a road bike. You haven't got as much grip. You need to pick your line a bit more carefully. Like on the road, you might just be careful for the white line and take the apex or whatever on the corner. But on a off-road, you might take a weird line just because that's smoother with more grip. I think it's that's hard for me to think about because maybe it comes quite naturally. Do you ride the technical section a lot? So, for instance, at the Olympics, the mountain bike, did you do certain sections a lot or is it more just not rock up and do it? But So, some mountain bikers, they do, like, course walk. So we they, we can we we could go on like Thursday. I don't know what day the, the race was, but four days before I think we could do course walk. Mm. Then you just go look at everything and where you would ride. I didn't go because it was hot and it was a long long time walking on the whole track. And then the then normally like the first time you get to the track, you do one slow lap. You get off and look all the sections, look watch other people ride it, and then kind of have a go yourself. Carry on ride to the next section have a look do the same thing and then the next lap you can roll around everything put it together and then the next lap ride a bit faster Hmm. just kind of build it up so is that on your own or do you do it with someone like chat through it because obviously Kurt Um, is your coach or your yeah everything yeah really sometimes in cross yeah mountain bike actually normally by myself so when that there was a story, you know, when that the the drop off in the Tokyo Olympics where Matteo van der Poel had his famous arse over tip moment, and there was the story that on the practice lap there was that had been a little ramp down from one boulder to the next, and then the ramp got taken away on the on the race lap. Yeah, can you remember which way around it was? Yeah, yeah. So in practice they had the ramp, Did and they? everyone said everyone knew that he wasn't going to be there in the race. Both his like national coach or whatever and his teammates said that they told him it wasn't going to be there and then in the race I don't know maybe he froze or I don't know yeah honestly I don't know but I was behind him and and he was going into it and I thought this just doesn't seem right you know like we were we kind of made a mistake on the last little climb like I put my foot down he put his foot down so we were just catching back up and then he, he, like, slowed down to less than the pace of the guys in front. They kind of flew off the drop. And um, and he was just slowing down, slowing down. I was like, this is not good. You can't roll off this drop. It's too big. So I kind of... He went off, and I kind of already started jumping off to the side. And I come over, and he's flying down the hill, and his bike's in the air. And and then I managed to get away. And I and then, then there's a photo of me landing, both my suspension is bottomed bottomed out, right to the limit, and my, both my tires have completely folded, basically hitting the rim. It's like perfect, wow. perfect bike setup. <laughs> <laughs> so if something was like your tires were too hard or too soft, or could you have just mangled your bike and pretty much had your race over? Yeah, um, I mean, if if I punctured, yeah. Because I'd have to ride round the lap and then go to the pits, and then they'd have to change my wheel. Mm. So I mean, it wouldn't be over, but I would lo- would have lost a lot of time, yeah. Because I mean, that course, steep climbs, tricky descents. It's 
you would lose a lot of time in the puncture. Yeah. Mm. Gee, I'm going to give you a choice here, right? You could either ride that Tokyo Olympic mountain bike course, or you could ride the World Cross course from last year, the one we refurbished, had its little detour through the sea. Which one would you rather ride? Uh, I think the cross one would be more. Oh, they both look quite fun, actually. I'd... There are bee lines on the mountain bike course as well. Oh, slightly patronising for G, that. <laughs> I can't imagine G jumping off the drop, if I'm completely honest. Neither could I. <laughs> After a few coffees, I'd give it a go, though. <laughs> Don't know how it would end up, but, yeah. Let's go for the cross, then. It sounds a bit safer, but ride through the sea. Yeah. So, Tom, do you think... Uh, maybe you don't have to decide. Maybe you just see where your riding takes you. But have you got have you got one goal above any other in mind? So I was thinking, you know, would you rather win the World Cross? Would you rather win Flanders? I don't know. What's your priority at the moment? I th- think results on the road are the biggest, like in my head and in the world in general, in people's opinion. But, I mean, there's not... Like, I don't really specifically want to win anything it's more like yeah it's like the legacy I want to leave kind of is what I want to aspire to do win everything yeah well <laughs> yeah you know just have have an impact in all on all three disciplines really that's kind of what I, what I want to do yeah Gee, when you look at, you've, you've seen young riders come into the team before, you are, and I'm going to say this purely as an act of revenge, you are the oldest rider still on the team, the last man standing from the original intake in 2010. So when you look at Tom, and you've obviously ridden with him in the, in the past week on your training camp, what impresses you about the way he rides? Um, well, for a start, I'm not the oldest in the team. I have been here the longest, <laughs> longest serving, but I'm not the oldest, so I just want to set that record straight. Um, amateur Tom. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think he's oh, he's just super professional, committed, dedicated. I think those m- words just spring to mind straight away. You know, like I was in the gym just doing like 15 minutes of my rehab and I think Tom had already been there for quite a while already and then I just heard Kurt saying he had another hour to do. I think you did say I'm not doing another hour of this, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just from winning something like the Olympics as well, like suddenly you have extra other commitments as well that people just want a piece of you. And I don't know how much because I'm not sort of you know around around Tom every day, but you know for sure he's going to have like people wanting bits and pieces of him all the time, and just to uh, keep that at bay or at least sort of deal with that well. That's massive as well so I think yeah it's, it's massive potential and big future and just don't mess it up mate I'll try <laughs> no but he's, he, he won't either because well you don't drink do you or no. have tea or coffee no so you know he's going to go a not, long way not much to get wrong is there <laughs> no Pretty just simple. women just women but he's got a girlfriend so that's fine so you're laughing mate yeah made, made my life as simple as possible <laughs> <laughs> right, let's let's flip it around then, Proton. What have you picked up and learnt from G when you've been spending time with him? Well, actually, similar to what he said, I mean, when he's committed, like, I mean, January camp last year, what what were you doing, like, 40 <laughs> hours a week or something ridiculous? You know, when, he, when he's committed towards his goals, I think 
yeah, there's not much that, that stands in his way, really. I mean, when he's training and he's eating and, yeah, machine-like, really. Necessity, though, when you do so much damage in October, you know? <laughs> but no, I think it's that, that's a good thing with like training camp and the the guys that Dave signs really is like the a lot of the guys have the same attitude that work ethic and it's just no one goes around shouting about it but everyone does it and everyone just sort of leads by example almost and it's easy to get in that culture of just train hard work hard you know rest well you know recovery the food like everyone trying to watch what they eat and obviously not under fuel but not over fuel and it's um infectious almost that sort of um everyone's striving to be better and like for guys like tom egan you know the younger guys pushing all the older guys and that competition for places obviously in a good healthy environment is yeah the key to any successful team really sound like dave b there don't i yeah, almost, almost a Dave V speech. Yeah. yeah, you're getting there. Yeah, <laughs> it sounded to me very much like an older rider ready to transition to being a DS. <laughs> no, mate, still another two or three good years yet. So <laughs> I'm only just getting revenge for the old. What am I? Old amateur fats. What are the other ones? Uh, Balding. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all right. So Tom, when you when you look back at the Olympics last summer. Did things change for you after that when you got home? Did you notice that people who didn't know who you were knew you now? Because, gee, you had this with the Olympics in 2008, I guess. You went through a similar thing. You went to Beijing and people in cycling knew you, but maybe not outside. And you came back and the world had changed. Yeah, I mean, in Japan, I was pretty, like, isolated from the British media and everything. I mean, yeah, no British TV. I didn't watch the British coverage Olympics. I sh- I didn't really watch much of the Olympics at all. But I think, like, speaking to my family before I came back, like, I mean, my face on the front of every newspaper in the shop, like, journalists were walking down my parents' drive. It was, yeah, it it just transcends cycling, really. You know, it doesn't matter who you are in the UK. I think most people follow the Olympics, or at least, you know, in some regard. And I think it's just... Yeah, it's just so much bigger than anything in cycling. I mean, maybe only the Tour de France comes comes close. Yeah, you know, I go home and people actually recognise you. You won't you won't get that from much else, I reckon, in cycling. I mean, I don't know. What's that when mm. the Tour de France? Probably the same, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the Tour for me was bigger because I think it was individual rather than team, as Britain oh, as yeah, a whole. Pursuit, yeah. Like obviously, my Olympic medals were in team pursuit, but. In Wales, yeah, since Beijing, you know, it was, yeah, it's crazy. Obviously, it's a, it's a small, proud nation and anyone that does well, they will back, you know, someone from, from Wales. So that was mad. And yeah, like you say, walking down the street, like... So like Richie going back to Ecuador? Yeah, well, no, not quite like that. No, not as fanatical as that. But, um, you know, just when you're walking down the street going for, you know, some milk or something, the odd person will recognise you, say something. or. But yeah, after the tour, it was... That was like tenfold again. I did have a nice little homecoming, actually. I didn't see Carapaz's homecoming, but... He's going down the bus, going down the street on a bus, and it was lined out like it was the Queen's Jubilee or something. <laughs> What's it? Uh, there was a good tweet, actually, where it showed the Queen came to Cardiff and it showed the crowd outside, like, the Senate, the government building, office thing. Oh, yeah. 
and there was like yeah quite a few people and then there was another picture of when I had my homecoming and there was like so much more I was like yeah I did the queen there (laughs) but to be fair she I don't know what she was doing she was coming for a quick visit I guess but yeah there we go G is bigger than the queen I can see the headlines now (laughs) so Tom you seem to have done an awful lot for quite a young age do you have any idea in your head when you think you might peak are you thinking right it's going to be two years time when I'm going to be where I want to be is it three years time well I think the plan is like I mean with Kurt kind of overseeing everything he doesn't want me to you know develop too quickly do too much too quickly and I think well he he wants me to kind of peak in the age that's kind of normal I guess like 25 26 and onwards there I guess I hope I keep improving till till that age but yeah who knows I can just keep improving like as normal really obviously he's at a big level high level at the moment but the headroom is still there I think you know as long as the main thing for me I think is just still enjoying it having that real passion for it and dedication to it and then if you've got that the rest is easy you know we all love riding our bikes we all love racing our bikes so if you can still do all those hard yards and, and make all the sacrifices then yeah why not have a have a super long career because you know there's a lot of talk about all these young guys and like um how long will they go on for, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why they can't have a, a long time. It's just whether they're still, you know, Pogachar, for instance, once he's won his seventh tour or whatever it is, would he st- by the age of 30, <laughs> would he still want his eighth? It's more like the, the hunger for it and stuff, if that is still around. But yeah, time will tell, won't it? Tom, where's your head on Grand Tours? Um, Where is my head on Grand Tours? Well, I think, you know, I I certainly want to, in the future, commit properly to a Grand Tour and, you know, experience that kind of build-up and, you know, Tenerife and and all that. But next year, I'm going to ride the Giro and go in, well, in good shape, in top shape and and see what happens. So I guess after that, then, then I'll get a better bearing about yeah, Grand Tours and me and riding Grand Tours. I guess the Vuelta last year was not really a good picture. <laughs> no, you've got to dip your toe at some stage, haven't you, G? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, it might take a little longer than the success he's had so quickly for one days and all that stuff. But yeah, for sure, he's going to be right up there if he wants to do it. Like you said, there's just the TT, this, the thing you've got to work on the most because um, it's not the most natural to Tom, but, you know, he's got the engine for it and stuff. It's just doing it in that position and, you know, that, that'll that'll come so yeah world's his oyster nice well Tom thank you so much for joining us on the GTCC thank you for sharing a microphone with G as well because you've had to put your right cheek in the sort of proximity to Geraint's left cheek which would be unsettling for most people so well played <laughs> yeah it's alright could, could be worse things to be doing on a Thursday night <laughs> sharing headphones like Lady and the Tramp spaghetti but yeah <laughs> thanks for coming mate and uh, go easy on me in the next few weeks actually no you're leaving no, aren't I'm, you I'm going tomorrow yeah oh he's off racing so it's fine I'm laughing now then back to Belgium in Dave B's camper van right, to Italy in the snow ah be minus, nice. minus two is the warmest it's going to be oh. and tonight minus 11 lovely well right thanks for having me enjoy that <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Right, Tom, while you and producer Lou are slaving away on your turbos in the cold and wet British winter, I thought we'd chat to some more GTCC members on why they use Zwift and see if they can give you some tips. Have a listen to this advice from Matt. Hi, my name is Matt and I started using Swift in 2017 after rather recklessly entering the Etape de Tour without actually owning a road bike at the time. After buying myself a bike, I spent the first few winter months using Swift and learning about FTP, Cadence, Watts per Kilo, and my story with cycling really starts there. A bit foolishly, I've entered the 2022 edition of the Adapter Tour, and the route this year is bigger than anything I've ever done. So I'm using features of Swift that I haven't really used before. Obviously, there's the GTCC group rides that are a great way to push myself that little bit harder than I normally might. But I've also found the Tap the Tour training plan in the Swift workouts. So here's hoping that the winter miles means summer smiles. Superb. And if you fancy giving Swift a try, just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial today. And don't forget to join our weekly GTCC group rides every Wednesday at 6pm. We'll see you there. Chairman Tom, I hear you've got some news. I've got great news, Geraint. We've got another sponsor on board. It is Lacquer Insurance. And I hear we've got a very exciting offer for our members too. But first, let's tell our listeners a bit about Lacquer. Yeah, well, Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists, just like our GTCC members listening to this. Lacquer's bicycle insurance is made for everyone, from Grand Tour winners like you to riders hitting the pedals for the first time, like our club secretary, Louise. Lacquer turned the existing insurance model on its head. Right, instead of projecting what costs it may need to cover and charging inflated prices, Lacquer only charges you based on the cost of actual claims that have been taken out that month. And your monthly price is capped too. Lacquer make money by receiving a small fee from every claim they settle, meaning for every settled claim, Lacquer gets paid. The more claims they settle, the more they earn. It's insurance geared towards helping cyclists get back in the saddle. And when it comes to making a claim, it is handled by their team of cycling experts and usually agreed within a day with no depreciation and no excess. And the best bit, Tom, is all our GTCC members can get an exclusive Garin Thomas Cycling Club sweatshirt when they join Lacquer. Just head over to www.lacquer.co and sign up using the code GTCC. Enjoy. Tom, it's our final episode before Christmas, so let's give some members some good news and appoint the next batch of GTCC road captains. First up for Lincolnshire, it's Ed Hawkins. Ah, congratulations, Ed. For Devon, it's James Thomas. For Aberdeenshire, Neil Shepherd. For Huelva in Spain, it is Tim Perkin. And for California, Roger Drummond. And if you are not one of the people on that list, do not panic. You've still got time to get your application in before the end of Season 2. You could be a row captain that just spreads the message of the GTCC in your area, organises socials, that sort of thing. Or you could be the sort of row captain that organises real GTCC in-person club rides if you're an experienced ride leader. All you've got to do is check out our socials for details on how to apply. And if you fancy doing some exercise over Christmas, our weekly GTCC club rides 
will still be going ahead on Zwift. I might not actually be there, though. It depends on how many mince pies I've had, but I'm sure you'll have a great time. And Moscow Meals. Um, and on that, G, we ran a competition, didn't we, on our socials to win a beautiful framed GTCC jersey, which was very kindly signed by you. So we've posted a picture of you in the jersey in question. People got a bit confused, so we probably need to clarify this. Um, it was you wearing the jersey in the summer, Skinny G, not just before Christmas, becoming Skinny G. Um, people said you needed to bulk and that had been very well behaved in the off season. Um, but that was definitely not the case. Yeah, it certainly was. And I wish I did look like that after, after the off season. Um, it'd make my life a lot easier now. But yeah, uh, yeah, the power of social media, I guess, that, isn't it? Or yeah, for- just taking a photo in the summer and posting it now. <laughs> and gee, we could do the big reveal of who has won the jersey. Can you do one of your pathetic drum rolls, please? <laughs> that's more like a drill now (laughs) the good news if your name is Christopher Bartlett is that you have won congratulations Christopher your jersey will be in the post very soon and I suppose all that's left to say from G and me is Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all our GTCC members thank you for all your support this year whether that's listening to the pod joining us on Swift Rides buying the lovely merch or even going along to a real life bike ride this club would literally be nothing without you so thank you for continuing to help us to build the world's biggest cycling club yes Stay safe over Christmas and we'll be back in the new year in 2022 with lots of big things on the horizon. Just think live tours, the new improved GTCC jersey and so much more. Oh, Tom, by the way, what's your favourite Christmas song? It's really hard, isn't it? The problem I've got, G, is that when I was a student, I spent the Christmas holidays working in the local branch of Next. And at Christmas time in Next, they have one Christmas tape or CD with 20 <laughs> classic Christmas songs on that if you work there you hear every day day in day out from the whole of Christmas so it's pretty much killed a lot of the classics for me what about you? Um, it's a bit of a rogue one but Lonely This Christmas is a good one oh by Mud yeah because when you're singing along to that you just think you sound like him well there's only one way to prove that so if you could end this episode of the show by singing <laughs> us into Christmas ladies and gentlemen this is Geraint Thomas singing Mud Lonely This Christmas well hang on Let me, I need to find the, the <laughs> song first because as I said it needs to be playing and then I'll sing along with it I tell, if I, I tell you what G to make it slightly easier there's two main bits of that song aren't there there's the bomb 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 and then there's the chorus so just give us those <laughs> bomb 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 <laughs> It'll be lonely this Christmas without you to hold. <laughs> uh, and then how does he end it? Like, it's your song. Oh, there we go. It'll be cold, so cold without you to hold this Christmas. See, sound just like him when you turn what up for wacky shiny yourself. But there you go. <laughs> Have a good one. Happy Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks to Club Secretary Louise Gwilliam, Head of Music Emma Hickman, Head of Social Fion Clark, and our Honorary President Mike Carr. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. 
Crowd Network, a place where you belong.